Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we're so happy to have with us Lance Rubin and Katie Shore. Welcome. Hi. (laughs) I know both Lance and Katie through the New York theater circles. They're both actors and they're both writers. Lance is the author of uh, several young adult novels like Denton Little's Death Date and its sequel. And Katie is a writer too, and also a very prolific audiobook reader. And she actually read the audiobook of Lance's third novel, Crying Laughing, which was one of my favorite books of last year. Oh, thanks, Caleb. <laughs> I would say it even if you weren't on here, honestly. It was a great <laughs> that's, book. That's very meaningful. Everyone should read it, or better yet, listen to it and listen hear to Katie. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that. they are awesome, and they are. I guess our third married couple on the podcast. That's true. That's true. I was number two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're very delighted to be here. So where are you two joining us from? We are in Brooklyn, New York, in our living room and bedroom, respectively. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for the listeners at home, you should know we tried to make it technically work with Katie and I side by side, both in the living room recording. But it wasn't working out. The headphone situation was untenable. And so, <laughs> and so it is as if we are in different locations, even though we're in the same apartment. I think um, we weren't meant we weren't meant to be next to each other commenting because perhaps there will be some divisiveness. That's right. Oh, that's right. Symbol. What a tease. That's great. <laughs> when, when two parents watch parenthood together, you never know where things are gonna go. Truth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Also, uh, I should mention that Katie and I were both vaccinated today, which is very exciting. Yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. To, it is so awesome and thrilling. But to add to the the night loopiness, which is very real, we might <laughs> oh, have some yeah. vaccine loopiness <laughs> slash chills <laughs> slash fever slash oh, body no. aches. <laughs> but I think that will only add to the excitement. Oh, great. So could you each tell us about your families growing up, what kind of families you were raised in, and then your family together now that you share? You want to go first? Yes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I uh, grew up in a family of five. I'm the middle child, older brother, younger sister, with a, a gap of four years between me and my brother and five years between me and my sister, which is kind of larger gaps than a lot. I think that was nice in in a lot of ways because we weren't so close in age that we were very competitive and at each other's throats all the time. My mom and dad have been married my whole life and still are married, even though they are, (laughs) this is more information than you probably want. I was going to say, even though at times they have lots of tension and I wonder, should they still be married? But, but no, they should. They're very happily married with, um, you know, moments where my mom's like, yeah, you believe I'm still married to this guy? (laughs) (laughs) maybe some zeke and camille vibes actually perhaps i don't know Uh, i think they weren't featured enough in this episode for me to get that reference uh fair (laughs) but that's that's my family of origin and i'll throw it to katie yes i was also raised in a family and um they are a younger sister who's three and a half years younger almost the exact same age gap as our children have between them, three years and seven months, like almost to the day, which is 
was not on purpose, but perhaps subconsciously, I was just trying to replicate my <laughs> wonderful experience. Um, and my sister and I are close now. I think she would say I was a, you know, maybe a B plus older sister for, for a number of years. We, we fought or I just ignored her, which is really interesting to think about having children now and seeing those dynamics play out. Yes. And my parents, are still married. This is my mom's second marriage. Um, her first one was when she was very young, like just 20 years old. Wow. Um, she didn't have kids that first time. Yeah, we're a very close family. Yeah, lots of fighting and making up and very open feeling house. And, and Kitty and I, Kitty and I have been married almost nine years and we have two kids, one uh, seven-year-old, Sly, and one is three and a half, Roger. Wonderful. Those are adorable names, but yes. I love that. Oh, thanks. And does that mean you guys got married in 2012? Yes. yes. So, um, my husband and I also got married in hey. 2012. Hey. That's good year. Yeah, yeah good, good year. year. Love we, that. we were June of that year. We were July of that oh, year. Amazing. Oh, it's really wow. fun. Yeah. All right. Happy love almost that. nine year anniversary Yay. to you. Yay. And to you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Beautiful. And what was your history with the show Parenthood? Had you seen it before or was this your first time? This was our my first time. Mine as well. I knew about it, but I didn't watch it. And I don't know why. I, I think I have a resistance to shows that seem like things are going to work out too well, which I wouldn't even say the show is, it turns out. But that that like sort of makes me anxious if it doesn't seem like excessively difficult and real then I feel like I don't know yeah but but that you know my my perspective shifted on that cool I I had not seen Parenthood but had definitely heard about it had lots of friends who watched it knew that it was from Jason Kadams who did Friday Night Lights so always felt like oh yeah I think I'd be into that show but never never watched it so this was actually really fun to have okay. a reason to revisit the show that actually is quite old now and we didn't even Kitty and I were like, what year is this episode we're watching? And when we realized it was 2011, that was a scary moment of passage of time because I would have guessed like 2015, yeah, you know, for season two of that show. I think there was like a tell for the age of the show when Adams talks about his daughter's friend and what she was wearing, like that she, you know, yeah. do you see how she dresses? <laughs> and then I was like, well, this is old now this show is <laughs> dating itself i hated that line and i thought yeah i really hope that if this show were made now they would not even float that as they something would. that a respectable father would say i yeah i had a lot of issues with him in this episode actually yes me yes. too <laughs> really tough and right in our context being only this episode yeah. Then we feel like this Adam Braverman character. What's what's the deal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's quite a doozy of an episode to meet this character. Yeah. Should we? Yeah. Let's dive into the episode, right, yes. cool. which is yeah. Parenthood season two, episode 21, Slipping Away. It was written by Carrie Aaron. It was directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on April 12th, 2011. And here's the NBC synopsis. Amber quits her job and begins to fall down a dangerous and destructive path. Crosby works with Joel to mend his relationship with Jasmine. Meanwhile, Christina and Amber overhear a disturbing phone call, which strains their relationship with Hattie. 
Elsewhere, Sarah makes progress with her stage play, stage play, <laughs> with the help of Zeke's old friend, Gilliam T. Blount. That is not a name. <laughs> Gilliam T. <laughs> well, I wasn't planning on starting with the Adam storyline, but let's start there. Okay. Because I also hated this line. Maybe it wasn't even her. You know, there is a chance that she could have had to loan her phone to somebody for some crazy mm. reason, one of her friends. Yeah. You know, maybe that Caitlin. I mean, have you seen the way that she dresses? No. What? What, are you looking I, at how I, she's no, dressed? No, honey, That's weird. I, just, it's a, what? Why are you looking I'm at... I'm not. Ouch. I, I, I at least loved that Christina pointed out how weird it was that he said that. I'm like, that helps a little. Anyway. A little. Mm-hmm. A little bit. I literally wrote down, nice job, Adam, slut-shaming a teenager. Right? Yeah. Just throwing her under the bus. As tough as we are on Adam, and as we are about to be, I gotta have a feeling, <laughs> I will give him this one little bit of credit. It would be a rough way to find out that your daughter is sexually active <laughs> to overhear her actually I'll having say. sex. I will grant him I'll that. <laughs> That's true. I'll say, uh, I mean, that was a very TV moment, I will say. And a show that doesn't seem filled with them necessarily, but like, how did... We can explain that she, the daughter, while she's having sex, she somehow dials her phone, which is at her feet. It's not even like <laughs> rolled onto it. The phone is somehow lit up at their feet, and she's accidentally called mom. <laughs> she doesn't have a passcode at this time. I think there weren't passcodes like to get into your phone, maybe. So There's you another just, tell, right? Like, like you really have to work to make it work. Yeah. Or recent recent calls. Mom was on the top of the recent list. I think that one checks out. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Because I, I kept trying to make that work in my mind. I'm like, this is so contrived. This is not yes. anything that really happens. I I was like, that's... And, and also, they're like shouting as they're discovering this and almost wrecking their car. I'm like, <laughs> she... I know she's having sex. I get that she's in the moment. But I'm like, you wouldn't hear the frantic panicked sounds of your parents coming through the phone <laughs> like they right? picked up you know yes, that's so I feel that's a missed opportunity because I <laughs> thought I remember thinking and I didn't say it to you Lance so now it's gonna seem like I made it up but I do remember <laughs> thinking at some point in that scene oh she's gonna realize what happened and then be filled with shame and then this this like positive sexual experience is then going to be tainted by all the shame and and I'm, I'm glad it wasn't but I sort of wish it was because that sounds like a, a fun scene. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's also a shame that uh, I was thinking about you guys when I was watching this episode because I thought that you had not seen the show before. I wasn't positive. And I, I thought, oh, great. They're getting one with Michael B. Jordan in it before yes. he was, you know, Michael B. Yes. Jordan. Uh, but this is all that he was in. It was <laughs> like this wordless sex yes, scene. This beautiful 1980s throwback style silhouetted love yeah. scene. And then the, just they refer to him all episode. Yeah, that's too bad. Hattie has a, a couple of conversations with Christina about all this. And I want to talk about each one. So here, here's the first one. Are you and Alex having sex? No, Patty. No, no. Okay, okay. Because no sort of intercourse or I sex. said no three times. Okay, because if you were, I'd want you to know that you could talk to me about it. Okay, I hear you. Because I'm here for you. 
So the answer is no, you're not. Right. I mean, what were you were my not. age or something when you first had sex? Is that what's going on? I was not. I was 22. I was 22 at college. Wow. It's a big step. I just decided that I wanted to wait. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Continue. I'll just. Um, However, Hattie, if you are wanting to talk about it, I want to talk to you. Okay? Okay. So how do you think their first conversation went? I, I had a few questions about it. Like, does Christina have a right to ask Hattie about that? Was Hattie wrong to have lied to her mother? Should Christina have told Hattie that she overheard her by accident? Those are all very good questions, and I, I feel like I have a sense of the answers, the right answers, although they may change as my children get older. But I feel like when she says, I want to talk to you about it, that's just that. No, I mean, I think to me, nobody wants to sit and have a chat about how the sex is going in their teenage life (laughs) with their parents. That's not like a chat subject. It's more like, hey, I'm here to remind you about protection and safety and consent, you know, and I'm going to remind you and then I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to let you have your life and experience, but I am here to provide you with prophylactics and, you know, a shoulder to cry on should this, or, or even I can help you should things turn away from consent or something like that. So Mm, I feel like the expectation of a conversation is just like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe what she meant, or maybe what we're hoping she meant was I want you to feel able to talk to me about it. But you're right. It's probably not going to be like a, hey, over breakfast, so let's talk about <laughs> the sex I had last night. Yeah, the way she starts with a question, it feels a bit like an interrogation. I totally yeah. got why Hattie lied because she's caught off guard and is probably embarrassed and not ready to have that talk. So yeah. that's, yeah. Totally agree. I, I think her mom cornered her. And I, <laughs> well, I feel like obviously the right thing to do is Mom and dad get this butt dial or foot dial, whatever it is. They hear something they shouldn't hear. They talk about that amongst themselves and they just put it aside. Mm. And then if they want to, they do the casual, like you're saying, you know, oh, by the way, unrelated to anything we might have heard, <laughs> um, we are here for you because it seems like your relationship is getting more serious. We don't know how serious because we haven't heard a butt dial <laughs> call with you panting heavily as we're driving the car. Uh, <laughs> So we, we are here for you. And, well, and the weird part also is, I know we're not at conversation two yet, but then when there's that moment where Addie's like, how did you know? That's when mom's got to be like, well, this weird thing happened. You, you called me. Like, you called me. You know? Like, I, I, I just have to be real. And, and that moment where there's, like, tension, and then mom, Christina, is that her name? You said? Yeah. Decides not to tell. I feel like, Christina, you got to tell now. Like, that's going to save you. Like, this is all kind of... A, we fell into a misunderstanding, not a misunderstanding, but we had kind of a weird, unusual thing happen and it, it made us act in kind of inappropriate ways. And let's just all, let's just get That's it all out true. There. You know, I, I had, you know, I posed that question about like, should she have told her? And after their second conversation, I was sort of relieved that she didn't because I thought, Me too. well, it's just going to make Hattie embarrassed. Like, what does it matter? But it's funny that you mentioned this because Adam and Christina do have a history of really violating Hattie's privacy in an effort to learn about stuff she's doing, even though she's like on the whole, a super responsible upstanding child. 
Yeah, so it does, to Hattie, I could easily see how this might feel like, were you guys hacking my phone <laughs> right, or something? Right. You they know? should clear their own names. Like, Hattie, this was you. I know For this once, we, weird, right. but we did this by accident. You, you called us. Yeah. <laughs> they stayed They stayed on that call too long. They should have hung up as soon as <laughs> yeah, things felt yeah. weird. Then they should have called her back, gotten her voicemail, and left a message and said, we got a weird butt dial from you. We hung up oh, right away. Nice. But if you're in trouble, call us. You know, we're here. And then Patty knows something went wrong during the sex. (laughs) She doesn't know how much she knows they didn't hear much and that they're actually thinking like, oh, was she like, did she fall and breathe heavily or something? So, but it lets everybody, everybody gets their space to deal with it. Oh, that's brilliant. I would never have thought of that. That's so good. But what I I do, like in talking about this, like what I admire about the show is that they didn't do all the right thing. You know, they did all the wrong things. (laughs) And that is is, like satisfying to watch because then you can feel very smug. Like I would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah. Well, I think to Hattie's credit, evidence of how mature she is, she did eventually come to her mom herself for conversation number two. Alex and I have had sex. Such long pauses. Very. So long. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I just don't... uh any idea what to say right now i guess i shouldn't have told you no 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 you should have i mean actually uh we had a a feeling that you know maybe we dad and i we had a feeling that you know honey he's your dad it is what it is you know it is what it is so it's okay (sighs) oh is um is he pressuring you to do this honey no he is i know Are you being careful? Are you using a condom? um, Some sort of protection? Okay. How did you guys know? Um, we just had a feeling. Get out of here. (laughs) Don't say we just had a feeling. Say, well, this is odd, but you called us during the sex. You know, we heard it. So we're not, I swear we're not actively seeking this out but you did call us we were just trying to have a nice night driving while we saw you at a bookstore or whatever you're doing and we heard it so <laughs> but, but yeah i i think she just mishandles that because hattie comes to her hattie like gets very vulnerable and says hey like you caught me off guard but I, we did have sex and then the mom's like well wow okay um let me interrogate you further yeah <laughs> Well, and uh, Katie, you you seem to bump on the same thing that I did, the the, it is what it is. What rubbed you the wrong way about that? Because I'm trying to articulate what bothered me about it. Yeah, well, part of me felt like, what a not sex positive, and I'm not like sure I'm even using that term correctly, but she's reinforcing like, well, it is what it is. I guess you're having sex. Like this (laughs) poor girl is like having a good experience, like a experience of pleasure with this person she really likes, maybe loves, I don't know their situation, but whatever, it doesn't even matter. And her mom's like, you know, very grim about it and says it twice. It is what it is. It's not like her mom necessarily has to be like, that's amazing. But you know, she could be like, 
well, I hope you're having fun, you know? <laughs> I mean, is it, you know, she doesn't seem alarmed by it. Like it's a family rule, you know, that, that, that she can't have sex until a certain age or, or, you know, she has to be married or anything like that. So it, it is what it is just feels so, I don't know, like, like a bummer. Yeah, it's like belittling, and it's also like, well, you've made this horrific mistake. I mean, this just can't can't go back <laughs> yeah. on that. So yeah, right. yeah, just, right, right. It, it, it paints the whole thing as a condemnation. Like, yeah. Yes, I bumped on the is it is what it is too, but I connected it to Adam knowing about it. Mm. That that's that's what she was saying. Well, right. who right. knows? It is what it is. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But right. that rubbed me the wrong way too because. As soon as Hattie finds out her dad knows about this, the look on her face yeah. just crushed me. Yes. And she, she acts that so well, by the way. Hattie, yeah. Uh, She's really Ramos good. Is very She's impressive. amazing. And like, yeah. and I get that a teenager would be uncomfortable knowing their parents knew that they were having sex. But with what we've already seen of Adam, it, it's just he is the one who has made this such a big deal for Hattie herself, it shouldn't destroy her to know that he knows. It should just maybe be awkward and uncomfortable. But her face was just, she looked distraught. And I thought, Adam, you put that on her. And yes. she doesn't have to feel that way, but you made it so she does. And then also to, for Christina to say that, well, it is what it is. In one sense, yes. Like, hey, it happens. But in another sense, Adam's attitude could and should change. And Christina could help with that. And then it wouldn't be such a big deal for Hattie. So for Christina to just be like, well, nothing right. we can do about dad's attitude. That's not true. I could not stop wondering how this would be different if Hattie were their teenage son and he had just had sex for the first time. And I, I don't think Adam would have like high-fived him or any, I don't think it's that drastic, but I don't think he would have been heartbroken. I don't, you know, he might've even been a little proud and, and like, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe a little low key proud, but, and, and I think it's that double standard that bothers me so much. And, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, think I'm wrong because the reaction feels so purity ball you know it feels so my little my little girl is going to be little forever and I I just think I I I, my disclaimer every episode is that I'm not a parent but I I'm really relieved to hear you two who are parents (laughs) you know express some of the same thoughts and concerns I had because I thought the whole point of raising kids is to make them grow up and make good choices and she is like in this very respectful, loving relationship with a good person. I mean, so many people have a traumatic first sexual experience and he just doesn't seem at all relieved that at least it's someone kind, you know, and, and she's yes. happy. Yeah, absolutely. I just had this thought as we were talking about this with the, it is what it is that a little bit, I think for Christina, she's using Adam to kind of get it, Hattie, a little bit, like it is what it is, your dad knows. Mm. Because she herself is uncomfortable with her own discomfort and her own fear of whatever her daughter repeating, perhaps a mistake of her own. I don't, we hear a little bit about that and how negative her experience was, but I I just instinctively feel like she's leaning on that and and then thrusting onto him the the shame and discomfort that she herself actually also feels. That is so perceptive. Good I point. totally agree. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Also, one last thing from this conversation. Well, it doesn't have to be the last thing, but 
even one of the points she raises, which I think is a good point, to ask Hattie, is he pressuring you? Even the way she asks it, you guys might not realize this because you just watched this one episode, but Adam and Christina have had some real racially motivated about that. attitudes towards how much Alex. How much they've gone into that. Yeah. Well, that's what I felt when both of them separately bring up, is he pressuring you? And we know this is a black actor. This is Michael B. Jordan. Then I felt like, is this? Yeah, this it always seemed like, tinged you know, unintentionally, by that. Unintentionally, it feels like that. Or Those yeah. biases that they keep insisting they don't have, but everyone has them, you know, and the fact that yeah. they won't acknowledge that they have them make them worse. Yeah. yeah. If she had asked Hattie, are you doing this because you want to and centered it on Hattie and her yes. choice, yes. Yes, I right. wouldn't have picked up on that, but neither of them did that at all. It was all... What is that man doing to you? Yeah. Yes. Didn't sit well. So true. Well, and I also do resent the implication that boys are always pressuring and girls are always resisting. It is such an old story. And and I'm sure it's true sometimes, but not all the time. You know, people act like, like, and I think that might be part of their incredulity did i even say that right like you know they're just yeah thank you they just kind of can't wrap their brains around the fact that their daughter wants to do this she has you know made a choice that i think they're wanting to pass it off on someone else they're they're not wanting to believe it's true and we as viewers know from the last episode hattie's even the one who brought it up yeah she Mm. suggested it and alex's first instinct was I don't want to pressure you or rush you. Like he could, it was like the model of who you yes. know, your daughter was having a relationship yeah. with. Which all, you know, men should know and many do. That is the way that your partner will want to move forward with you. By yeah. not pressuring them, you are basically making a very comfortable space in which they will feel like I'm in. I feel so <laughs> safe and great. Let's Let's do this. Yeah. And this is such a small detail, but in that opening of the whole episode, when we actually see Hattie and Alex together, I loved that at several points, you could clearly see Hattie smiling and Mm. and happy. And I liked it both because you knew she was genuine in her consent and participation, but then also that like sometimes TV sex scenes are just all about, you know, the lust and the hot and heavy. And here was, it seemed like, I mean, I can't with a straight face use the word tenderness, but it seemed like there was actual like fun and joy and happiness between them. Definitely. And I thought that's so sweet. I'm so happy for her that she's having such a good experience. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times they do focus on sort of the lust and everything. And this this felt like care. I don't know. Yes, very generous. Yeah. And she comes home and she's so content with her little lie it's like and that's like what it is like it's not like you come home and you're like oh great time having sex with my boyfriend and now you know like you have to not tell the truth not you know and and she's just she's like totally content which proves it was a totally positive experience I think that's where she comes home she's like mommy puppy not funny like she's in a great mood she's in a great mood yeah she's not a wounded bird yeah no also, sidebar, I Googled that book that she gave Christina and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I don't <laughs> think it's real. I think that was a, a prop creation. I also, I couldn't find a Sharon Meterman anywhere oh. who was an author or a photographer or anything. I love the things you look up. That It just did not even occur to me to look that <laughs> up. I love amazing. it. It is. It's the best. Uh, yeah, one more thing I just wanted to say about this plot line. 
if it was written in 2021, I think it'd be interesting if Adam's take was that he was super cool with it, you know, mm. and then really not because mm. that's a really hard thing for a parent to adjust to. But in this moment, if he's like, if Adam's more of a feminist or just trying to be of the times <laughs> and it's just like, that's, that's so wonderful. We're so happy you're having sex. That would be at least it, yeah. the take I'd want to see right now. And then That'd him and Christine funny. are having these scenes where he's like, whoa, like, you know, rage is coming out in weird ways or, you know, it's like, I don't know if you are okay. Like, I am fine with this. Like I'm a sex positive father. I want this for her. You know? yeah. <laughs> that, you, that... He does high five her. He's like, all right, right. Got that over with. Yeah. She's like, okay, dad, too much. It's like, look, I am your buddy. <laughs> like I've want this for you. If you're feeling good, I feel good. That's amazing. You can talk to me about your sex whenever you need to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's that would be too fantastic. much yeah yeah oh, and we know the bravermans have no boundaries so i think it could fit in really organically <laughs> to the whole yeah. series yeah so when christina tells adam and confirms with adam that hattie's having sex it's like he's being told someone he loves has a terminal illness yeah. and um and, and i the wonder mu- the music in that scene is intense too i remember <laughs> right? it, it doesn't and help like, katie you may have answered this already but I was wondering, like, what is Christina trying to do in that scene? Because I, I'm not blaming her at all. It's not her job to make Adam have a reasonable reaction. But why do you think she doesn't try to, like, talk him down off the ledge? I feel like she could so easily have been like, Adam, this is not as big of a deal as you think. I've been there. It happens. Is she trying to give him room to have his own reaction? Is she afraid of intervening? Does she feel like it's just no use? Yeah, I I think even more now what I was thinking before that that she wants to kind of poke him on it and his outsized reaction then gives her space to be almost as uncomfortable, but it seems like she's having the tamer reaction. Mm-hmm. She's like let me let me watch my own feelings manifested outwardly in this in my partner. Wow, yeah. It's so <laughs> So good. No, I think you're 100% right because it was bizarre the way she tells him. She's like, all right, the thing we thought, yep, it's happening. Like, you know, she can't even say the word. (laughs) Yes, right. She can't say it. That's so true. The eagle has left a nest. I'm going to speak in code. It is, the thing is real. And she says it in a way that almost feels like it will drum up more drama instead of you know cool yeah. everything Tamp off. down yeah 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 no i think that's insightful it's like i'm freaked out about this but i know it's really gonna freak you out about this and that's gonna <laughs> help me kind of work through my own yeah. freaking out so yeah this is super random but that little scene they have at dinner where adam won't look at her i just noted that i love the idea that max is just randomly reading the annual farming report (laughs) where he learns that chicken stat i just have a mental image of him like sitting down with this big volume just reading (laughs) the farming report did you think it was too on the nose that he was also saying things like i've never scored and hattie scored three times like is that is that just too much or was that funny it pushed pushed it almost too far (laughs) i love that I felt like I could hear our younger child doing that or or even our older child, like in this, like see, sensing that things were not going well and like in, quickly inserting themselves to be like, let me deflect here. And, and oh. I don't know, but yeah, it worked for me. I just found that so dear. 
Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it was really fun. So here we have Hattie and Christina's last conversation. Listen, I'm sorry about everything with Dad. I know things are tense and oh, And I just awkward. wish that I hadn't told you. Honey, I'm so glad that you told me. Are you kidding me? Well, I wish I, I didn't. I wish I didn't, and I don't understand what? why. No. Like, every interaction that I have with Dad is, like, him just judging me. He's not he judging won't even you look at, at me. all, honey. Yeah, well, it feels He's like not. that, and it just makes me feel sad. Honey, nobody's judging you. I mean, you're our baby, you know? And we wish that you would have waited, that's all. But I promised you he'll come around. I promise. Come here, give me a hug. I love you. I love you too. I lied. But what? I wasn't 22. I was, I was 15. It was awful. It was with this boy named Roy. Anyway, I thought I was in love with him, and he went to school the next day and told everybody that we did it, and it was just awful. I know. I'm just happy that it was different for you. Hey. <laughs> just the one good thing she said. <laughs> but is she happy that it's different for her, is what I wonder. I believe her on that point. Yeah. Like, if she has to choose what her first time is going to be like, I think she would choose this rather than Roy. But I also think she wouldn't choose 16 years old. Here was my question about, about that point. Like, we just wish you would have waited. As Melissa joked one time, like, it should be the subtitle of our podcast that we're not parents. But so I get that 16 years old is maybe young to be having sex. I can just imagine like a parent out there with teenager listening to this childless guy <laughs> say, oh, it's fine. And they're like, but my kid's not ready. So I'll grant you that. But what does young to be having sex even mean? What does that phrase mean? Like mm -hmm. when I hear it, I think someone is too young to be having sex if they don't know what they're doing, if they are oblivious to the consequences or if they're if they're doing it just because it's scandalous and like it's a grown up thing to do or if they're being coerced into it certainly Hattie isn't any of those things and nor is Alex so in what way is she too young why would you wish that she would have waited what would be the benefit of that i don't know it just i i didn't get it it sounds like it makes sense but i don't think it actually does I think she's a little bit jealous that her daughter is having such a great first sexual experience and she never really resolved her own because she never told her daughter about it mm. until this moment. And then she first lies about it. And that, that for me at the end, you know, cause she's just gaslighting her. Like he's not judging you. Like, Oh, that that's so upsetting. You know, when it's like, no, 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 dad's fine with it. When dad's clearly like <laughs> teams coming out of his ears, yeah. you feel, you feel out of your mind. Yeah, I, and I don't think, I think 16, I totally agree, Caleb, like I feel 16 is only too young if the person is not ready. It would have been too young for me, but I know people who it wasn't too young for at all. Yeah. Age can be so different depending on who you are. You can be a very young 16, a very wise mm -hmm. 16. It, it would have been too young for me as well, but Hattie has just proven time and again to be 
very wise for her age and she knows what she wants and she's (laughs) I mean just more self-actualized than a lot of the adults on that show so yeah well and like her relationship with Steve in season one he wanted to have sex and Hattie knew she wasn't ready then wow so we even have this other yeah yeah and I think she was absolutely right she wasn't ready with Steve that was its own relationship. She was a year younger, which does make a difference. And it just none of none of the pieces fit. And he was for, pressuring for it to her. Be right. And she recognized that. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want to be with a cliche. I don't want to be a cliche. Like yeah. she had the presence of right. mind at 15 to say that, which is yeah. pretty amazing. So Yeah, right. that's amazing. And now she recognizes this is different and she's different. Knowing that that's part of the show's history would have been interesting if that came into this conversation with mom. Yeah. Like, mom. I, I know what I'm doing. Like, I, remember Steve? Like, he did pressure me. Alex is not doing that. Yeah. I don't even know if they asked, is Steve pressuring you? But Steve he was, was white. white, so they didn't have anything right. to worry about. Right. Oh. That's, it's interesting. It's, it is. It's infuriating. I think parents, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, just try not to do this, even though I'm sure I do all the time. Like, you bring so much of your own stuff to your kids. It, it's like, there's this constant voice of like, don't do what I did, or do exactly what I did. And, and it's like, you have to like swat it away and just see them as separate. But I think Christina is struggling to do that. Yeah. I'm glad she told her the truth though. Me too. Yeah. Thank goodness. And I, I am glad that Christina, this is, this is an odd dichotomy here. Let me play this scene with her and Adam, and then I'll explain what my point of view was. You need to talk to her. She thinks that you're completely angry with her, okay? She's humiliated and- Humiliated? Why? You're not talking to her, Adam. I am talking you to her. You haven't said two words to the girl the whole week. It's just like, I'm, I'm having well, to defend you. I don't know what to say you. to her, Christina, okay? You knew that this day would come. You said well, it was okay for them to date. I didn't think it was gonna come this fast, and I don't Adam, know what to say to her, okay? What am I supposed to do, give her a high five and congratulate her it, for having sex? That's not what I'm saying. You're shutting her out completely. I don't know what to say to her, Christina. I'm sorry. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) So I liked that she was calling Adam on his bullshit. And in a weird way, this is the weird dichotomy I felt. I sort of admired Christina for defending Adam to Hattie, even though she didn't actually agree with him. It was it was part of their their weird marital unity (laughs) that I kind of thought was nice. Like, okay, she's not Mm going to like badmouth him behind his back because they have to be a team. But she's going to go behind Hattie's back and say, knock it off, Adam. You've got to open up. But now I'm wondering, is that just super dysfunctional? Because it is, she was then kind of lying to Hattie when she said, he's not judging you. He totally is. And Christina knows he is. (laughs) Right. I mean, the more more evolved and thoughtful answer would be like, it might seem like he's judging you, but deep down, he's just really uncomfortable. This isn't about you. This is about him and his whatever his first we don't know about his first sexual experience I mean of course we only hear about mom's we don't hear about his perhaps that was traumatic anyway I agree that is a nice thought like that they're backing each other up but could have been done with more nuance yeah and more kindness to their daughter to to recognize and validate her experience not to take a a cynical (laughs) tv view (laughs) but I'm just thinking about tv and in general, it was amazing to see that this show has 22 episodes a season, 
because for the most part, just most of the shows we watch now do not have that much. And it's just a huge amount of content. And so again, not to be cynical, just like the peek behind the curtain, but like there have to be all these beats for this plot line, because if, if Christina's kind of on Hattie's side too early, it's like, how do we, how do we take this full journey with them? That's true. That's, that's, that's like a less fun (laughs) way to pick it (laughs) apart. And I think the, the psychological analysis going on here is really good. And I think that that can all be true too, but sometimes you can't just like get right to the, the resolution early mm. we have to watch them go through this journey of like okay we're like why didn't you just tell adam like you know that he's being judgy like right away yeah but then then there'd be nowhere else to go in this episode yeah i thought the best conversation adam had in that episode was with his sister with sarah yeah she I felt had the only appropriate reaction about Hattie losing her virginity, which ugh, I wish I hadn't even said that. That's such a gross word and it's not even real. <laughs> Hattie having sex, let me correct myself. But, you know, I think for Sarah, she's like, look, my daughter is actually going through shit. You know, like <laughs> my daughter, you know, might have died at the end of this episode. You know, spoiler, she doesn't. But, you know, like she, you know, she's literally doing drugs and spiraling out of control. She's for sure sleeping with Gary, but that's the least of the concerns. So like they don't even touch on that. Like who cares? Sarah's like, please don't do drugs or get into car accidents, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I think just for her, she's like, yeah, your daughter's having sex. She's happy. What, you know? And I, I do think maybe somehow on some level that gets through to Adam and finally gets to that resolution at the end of the episode, which I will say sort of melted my heart and did a lot to undo the damage he had done that whole episode because I was so mad at him. And I did really genuinely love that ending I for them. I thought that yeah, was, that, that was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I did awe out loud when he <laughs> said, I just don't ever want you to get hurt. But because we know we're dissecting <laughs> and, and paying such close attention, I also felt a little bit cheated, or I wonder if the resolution was a bit of a cheat. Because I thought, if Adam's only issue with Hattie having sex is that he doesn't want her to get hurt, would he have behaved the way that he did in this episode and in previous episodes? No. And yeah, I don't think so. And now it's like maybe he realizes by the end of this episode that all the other stuff going through his head ultimately is irrelevant and he gets over it and that really all he wants is for her not to get hurt. And then maybe they just like wanted a little bit of subtlety and thought, let's not have him actually articulate that. Let's just have this nice moment. But I don't know if that's what they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also think maybe if we do want more like nuance or just more to it than just that. The fact that he literally cleans her wound and puts a Band-Aid on it, and then they go get ice cream and possibly see a movie. I mean, those are all little kid things. Yeah. And I definitely think we're meant to see that he's struggling with the idea that he has lost her, which I think is a better, more interesting, more nuanced thing than just, ew, dirty, you know? And so I think that that did a lot for me too, not just the lines, I don't want to see you get hurt. I'm like, okay, he still has her. She is still her. And she still has these moments of wanting to hang out with her dad the way she always has. And she's not fundamentally different. And I think maybe that's what kind of got to me. I mean, yeah, Melissa, that's such a good point about the cut. I didn't even think about that. But he's literally, she's like, it doesn't hurt. It's just like some, it's like, (laughs) 
it didn't hurt. It was a positive experience. I had yeah. a good time. You're just seeing some dried blood. It's like not a big deal. I'm not even thinking about it. And he's like, no, we must hide the blood away from my sight. <laughs> and I must and I must close where you have been opened and close it. And yeah, it, it's such shoot. a metaphor for the whole thing. And she's like, all right, okay, dad. <laughs> you know, it's so sweet. And I mean, I feel like when he says the, the getting hurt thing is like, of course, I mean, I think that's true to some extent, but I also think he doesn't want to get hurt and getting mm. hurt for him is being replaced. And he's just saying, I don't want to be replaced. Mm. Wow. And it's like, well, you will be, but not in the same way. You know, it's different. Yeah. yeah. You know, he says when he's talking to Sarah too, he says, oh, I, I wish I could just make her a peanut butter sandwich. And, you know, it's so much simpler. That's exactly oh. what you were just saying, Melissa and Katie. You're totally right. He infantilizes her with like, let's make you a child again. And it made me think of one of my favorite songs ever, which is uh, Secret of Life by James Taylor, where he says the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. And Adam is not enjoying the passage of time. He wishes <laughs> no. that she were just always five. It's like, Adam, you got to get over that because time's not going to stop for you. Yeah. yeah. Time's moving. Yeah. It would be nice if instead of saying, I just never want to see you get hurt. If it was just like, I'm just struggling. I miss when you were little. I mean, that's too yes. on the nose maybe, but like <laughs> it would, that, yeah. that would be a very human moment to see. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of losing it a little bit. I'd love it if he'd apologized, you know, for yeah. making her oh, yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> sorry that would be been. good oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, I can't believe I stopped talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did bother me. I, I did note that really the whole conflict of this plot line was just Adam can't conceive of her as a sexual being. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, so the whole conflict is one guy's attitude, <laughs> which I don't think is inaccurate. Sadly, I think it, it's probably pretty realistic, but it was frustrating. Yeah. We also had a little bit of Adam at, at work. Just uh, do we there. even yeah. need to talk about that? We we don't, but I, I just think maybe it's indicative of a little slapdash story structure stuff towards the right, end of the season. Right. What? Like, yeah, oh, we introduced happen? this new boss at work and, and maybe there's going to be some payoff in the finale, but we have to yes. remind people, hey, remember? He exists and he's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Really the only, yeah. <laughs> I took two notes on that whole storyline. I'm saying storyline in air quotes. <laughs> Karen has the tangerine edible. <laughs> I liked seeing that. Oh, yeah. Did you guys get that? Oh, that's, that, that's why. Yeah, I was like, what is Karen's deal? Why is she gone from like totally uptight to like chill? It's because she had an edible. Oh, that's a callback oh, to a previous that. episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, this Karen switch is very odd. <laughs> and that, that makes sense. She's just eating a lollipop. Like, I love the shoe design. <laughs> I was like, very not into it. Last scene you saw me, but now I love it. I love I, everything. <laughs> I'm confused. My second note yes. was, I'm going to say it. I love Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I find him so charming. And I also just started watching Barry, which Anthony Kerrigan, who plays Corey, is Anthony on. Kerrigan. And he's so great on that. And it's quite different from Corey and it's just cool seeing him in these two different roles and it's like he's he's yes. delightful I wrote a similar thing where he was like it looks like an ad and they're like duh it is an ad and I'm like no I'm with you Corey when he was like yeah. we, can we make an ad that looks like art I'm like yes but then I saw his idea of art and then I'm like oh you lost me Corey um this this mushroom right. cloud <laughs> situation is not actually art but but I did yeah there was a moment where I liked I, the words as the shoe I thought the stuff like spider that. did was good yeah yeah. I did, yeah I didn't like a lot of the other part yeah okay I'm with you I'm with you 
I just want to say that I noticed twice that Adam said boom, which was like a thing <laughs> that was like boom. And that was a thing I remember because I was auditioning for a lot of commercials at that time. And that was, there was always a guy in the commercial who would say, boom. And it was, <laughs> it, it was like, it was funny, like for a little bit. And then it was just, it was done until the words lost all meaning. And now it doesn't happen anymore. I think, but just like recently. <laughs> all right. Boom. Just like that. R.I.P. Boom. Okay, let's go to Crosby's continuing effort with this house that he's remodeling for Jasmine. First of all, we totally called it. Joel is doing the remodel. (laughs) There's no team effort here. Joel's doing it. I mean, at least Crosby is helping. Adam was like, we we can fix it. Adam's never at that house. Now he's like, I'm busy freaking out about Hattie's sex life. Yeah. And and do we need to give some context to you two about like this grand gesture or, or was it pretty clear from the episode that he Well Crosby did something very bad. He cheated. And she mm-hmm. like literally told him in the last episode, we need to move on. And so his response to that is to buy a house that's in terrible disrepair and try to fix it and try to get her to live in it with him. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Okay, so no. anyway, that's where we are. <laughs> right, no matter how nice he gets that house, I don't see how, if, if you're ready to move on, it's really not a house that, that wins you back. No. If you don't want to live in it with that with person. With the person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, that's great tile work, but I don't, <laughs> damage is done. When Joel brings in those tiles, this is a tangent, but I had never heard the term bad Larry before. He says, look at these bad Larrys. I hadn't either. I did look that up, but I couldn't it's really. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. People say I that, I guess. Know. I never have. I guess oh. I was just what, what is it? No, I still don't know. <laughs> uh, it's just like. Look at these bad boys. <laughs> oh, no. Larry's. Never heard that. It's an actual term, I guess. Katie's father's name is Larry. I was going to say <gasps> it. Yeah. You can have fun oh. with that. Yeah. Did he know about it? I'm going to ask him. Tomorrow, I'm going to ask him. Have you ever been called a bad Larry? Um, (laughs) I like that. I don't quite understand the pressure on Crosby to show Jasmine the house. Like Joel's like, you got to show her. I actually think the longer he takes, the better. Yeah, I'm like, the whole point (laughs) is to get it in the best condition possible. I mean, the whole thing is irrational. It's kind of stupid. That is confusing. I think it should take him a year so she has time to forgive him. Like, I don't think, you know, like. You got to show her this quarter completed house. It's really (laughs) show her as soon as possible. He doesn't want to do it. He's like sick of helping him. And it seems like Crosby has no, uh, his emotional IQ perhaps is low. And so (laughs) he's well put. Yeah. Let me pour my energy into this construction and and take my love out of myself because I don't know how else to express it and put it into this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I guess like if the tile work was so perfect, he would feel like it reflected the amount of suffering he's felt for his mistake and love that he feels for her still or, you know, but he's not even able to convey that. <laughs> Yeah. What does she, is she? I'm so curious if she's going to get it, like if she's going to be into it. This is something I'm looking forward to watching in the next episode. I don't actually remember how it exactly shakes out. I don't even remember if he shows her the house in the finale. 
I really can't remember it either. Because as I'm watching it now, I'm thinking this really feels like they're building to a very TV moment of like, she sees the house and then it melts her heart. And I was like, please spare us because that doesn't ring true. No. I remember two things that happened in the finale of this season. Yeah. The the rest is a blur to me, so I'm I am excited to see like oh, that's so how fun. does this all happen? It reminds me of teaching because I'm a uh, high school English teacher, and so I teach oh, nice. I teach the same books every year, but I always reread with the students. So whatever their homework assignment is, I read because I remember what happens later. But if it's not fresh in my memory, I know not to mention it. I know only mention the things you read last night, you know. Oh, and if yeah. I didn't, That's if I didn't, so smart. if I didn't yes. do that, I would give away everything probably because you know I. And so that's why I don't watch ahead with this show because then I wouldn't remember. Oh, was this this episode or was it the night? Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, we get this exceedingly awkward scene. <laughs> How's that for a, a setup? It was perfect. I liked it. Have you spoken to Crosby at all lately? Um, I, uh, I saw him when he dropped your bar off a few days ago. <clears throat> okay, I'm, I'm sorry to, I don't want to overstep my bounds here, but, um, he's just really different. I've never seen him like this. He's really, he's grown up all of a sudden. So I thought that was worth mentioning. I'm glad for him. But it's too bad he didn't grow up a few weeks earlier. Yeah. Well, he really loves you. I love him too. But I'm so angry at him, I don't think I'll ever not be angry at him. (sighs) It's not going to happen, Julia. I'm sorry. Jasmine was pretty clear. Yeah, she can't, she has to keep explaining herself to various members of this family. Oh. <laughs> I just think, stop putting her in this position of having to explain herself. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, it definitely does not seem hopeful <laughs> based on well, Jasmine's perspective here. If you're going to start a, any conversation with, I, I don't want to overstep my bounds, you should immediately stop talking because yeah. you're <laughs> overstepping your bounds. Like, yeah. I mean, th- there are times to do that. But this isn't one of them. I thought Erica Christensen played that quite well because I feel like you could tell her heart was not in it, (laughs) but she felt like a a familial duty to kind of advocate for her brother. And yet I think she, I think on the merits of what happened, she actually agrees with Jasmine. Well, and even just like, it sounded so stupid. And it's like she just hurt herself when she's (laughs) like, he's grown up. All of a sudden, you know, and and for Jasmine to even just very subtly and very, you know, I loved just the way she's like, yeah, it's too bad he didn't grow up all of a sudden a couple weeks ago. I'm like, that's perfect because it's just calling it out in the nicest possible way. What you're saying is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And pain, I guess pain, maybe it's true because pain can, can be something that causes people to grow, but it's pain he brought upon himself and, and he caused other people pain as well. And it's just, he's charmed his way through his whole life. And I just don't think he should get to wriggle out of this one. And I'm very fond of Crosby, but I don't forgive this. (laughs) At least not weeks after the fact. So I worry 
that this is going to be just like a variation on Zeke with the ukulele Mm. in season one where he wins back his wife after like they nearly split up by just playing her a sweet song on the ukulele. And then she just takes him back. And now Crosby's going to do it with a house for Jasmine. And we're getting all these signs. Like she tells Crosby, I had to move on. And she tells Julia, it's just not going to happen. And I know as the viewer that the next episode is the end of the season. I'm like, oh, they're really just ramping up the drama, saying Jasmine's saying over and over again, it's not going to happen. So then it'll be so satisfying when she just takes him back. But I think it would actually be way more interesting and relatable to another facet of parenting to show a separated couple Mm co-parenting. And there would be a lot of new stories that that would yield that we're not seeing a greater variety than if they do just get back together. Definitely. And just the relationship work. I mean, I don't know what the work is like during a separation, but I would imagine it would just take patience. The idea of like, you're going to have to just show up and show up and show up. And maybe in time I will move past this, but it's not going to be some like beautiful grand gesture or public display. It's going to be like not worth (laughs) putting in an episode. It's just like the, the daily grind of it. Yeah. Completely. It's like you said sometime, Melissa, that someone wants to just write a huge check in the the relationship account. Mm. And instead that what they need to do is make like a million tiny little deposits. Yeah. Like like a dollar every day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well said. (laughs) Well said. That's so articulate. (laughs) What did you think of the scene between Crosby and Julia? Is Julia right to try and talk sense into him and say, like, Crosby, you gotta be realistic about this? Or is he right? that the way she could be most supportive is to indulge his, as he calls it, Hail Mary plan. I think they're both right, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a ridiculous plan he has. And I think it's it's good for some a family member to be like, this isn't like, just to get his expectations ready. Like, I, I know it feels for you like you're doing this thing, but like, it's not necessarily the right move to undo the damage you've done by cheating uh, on your wife. But I guess it's, it's totally within his rights to be like, look, I got to do it. I got to do everything I can. And I'd be like, but have you thought about writing just like a very thoughtful note? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I just, this is a lot of work and I don't think it's going to do it. So. Oh, boy, that, that speaks to me as a Jane Austen fan. I'm like, yeah, the very thoughtful note. That's a good plan. Right. Letters, right. man, they change lives. <laughs> seems like a start. Yeah. yeah it seems yeah. like a better start anyway. I'm not sure if the written word is Crosby's domain. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. It's maybe true. But that would make it a grand gesture. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Exactly. What's I'm subliterate, mean? but I wrote you this note. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's really funny. Although something about the way you just answered that question, maybe it's something that Julia needed to do just to understand where Crosby's head was. Mm. If she knows that he knows this is a Hail Mary pass, then maybe she doesn't have to be so worried. But if he actually thinks this is like a reasonable Mm -hmm. strategy to get her back, then, then there's a problem. Right. If he said, there's no way this won't work. (laughs) Then someone needs to sit him down and say, you're not thinking rationally. Yeah. That's a very good point. Does Jasmine have a history of being like, wow, if only we had a perfect house together. Like, does this come from anywhere? Uh, Contextually? No, I mean, they moved into a place together that they both (laughs) chose. And now he's just building her a new one. 
Okay. She's it's already really living random. somewhere where she's happy living because you chose it with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Like, I wouldn't want to move into a house that I'd never seen and didn't pick. Like, no. Especially not with my ex-fiance who just cheated on me. I just don't understand how any part of this is a good plan. But, it's odd. Uh, no. but you know, I will say it's hard not to root for Dax Shepard at the end when he is talking about the Hail Mary pass. I'm like, damn it, you are charming and I am rooting for you, but I'm I'm... I'm actually not like in that moment I kind of am. And then the smoke clears and I remember, no, I'm mad at you and she should not take you back. But you know, like when you hear him, yeah, it's, he's very winning. Well, let's move on to da, 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 da. Sarah's play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which oh, is, boy. I have to kind of apologize. Cause I thought there was like a lot of actual like work on the play in this episode and That's there's like no on. work on the play and really in the episodes that came before this there's not really any work on the play either it's no it's I, I got very that sense glossed we're not over. really yeah. looking at her writing process we just know it's <laughs> oh. very important to her and, and she believes it's a very important work yeah, yeah. that was theatrical greatness <laughs> yeah oh that hurt yeah the first thing i noted speaking of you know how this show is dated even after just 10 years Melissa, doing this podcast with you, I feel like you're ahead of me in terms of evolving. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> I feel like you've opened my eyes to things I maybe wouldn't have seen or that I thought I was already enlightened about. And one of them right off the bat in this episode was the way that Gilliam talked about Sarah's breasts. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was Not misogynistic okay. moment number two after Adam's dress. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like 10 years ago, I might have thought that was fairly innocent. Like, well, what? They're friends. And he's like, he's kind of complimenting her. And, and there <laughs> is that element, you know, to yeah. networking that can't be denied. Even if there was truth in that, like put it all aside, it's gross and yeah. they're not that close. And mostly it's just unnecessary. Yeah. Tell her about the fundraiser. Tell her about Jack Kraft. Prepare her well for the meeting. Don't tell her, hey, your breasts are really going to help us out. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's so gross. That's disgusting. Well, yeah. and Way inappropriate. her response to it makes me wonder if I would like her play because I felt like, why was she just like, mm, okay, yeah, got it, got it. You know, yeah. like, you yeah. know, she was pretty, she went with it. And I, I don't fault women being put in horrible positions who go with those moments, because what can you do? But I just wanted to see later, even just a moment of talking to someone or something like, what was that? Like, that was, yeah. you know, and it doesn't seem to have thrown her, really. I, I think that's really a case of the show being a little dated. And I, I think they probably thought it was funny. You know, maybe it shows how Sarah just like can take things in stride. But I felt so icky about that. Yeah, I hated yeah. that moment. Super gross. I really wished she could have called him out on it. And I, I that would have been really interesting if she like wanted to, but felt like she couldn't because he'd done so much to help her. If that had been like an actual storyline, yeah, that could have been right. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right. That, that That's very real yeah. and would be very tense. Mm hmm. Now, he also says in that scene, theater is half art, half relationships. Lance and Katie, as people of the theater, what do you think about that statement? I mean, sure. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Not in the way that your breasts have to be used, <laughs> but, but, but yes, absolutely. Like, you know, as an artistic director, you're going to want to choose the work of a playwright who they've 
formed a relationship with, who they've seen workshops of their plays, other places before choosing their work to do it in their season. Sure. Yes, probably. In fact, I think it's fairly unlikely you'd get a situation exactly like the one we have in this plot line. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's a bombastic way to put it. Uh, half art, half relationships, but, but some truth to it. I think it's totally true. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like for me personally, I'm so terrible at ego stroking or at various kinds of small talk or I, I, I struggle socially to be smooth and no, and not just smooth, but savvy. And I think I see the people who are, and it's not that that's all you need, but it is, you need a lot of it, I think. And if you don't have that at all, then you need a lot of people who are doing it for you. So I think it's, I think uh, Gilliam is, he's right. And, but then he's like, it's, it's his approach with her that like you playwright who've never written anything, but this, that means a lot to you. Pull out your breasts and let's do this reading. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, I think the bombastic part that you're, you're right. talking about, Lance, is the way he's utilizing it. But the actual fact of it is is, is real. Yes, you're totally right. The fact of it's accurate, but uh, his approach to it and the way he's saying that that logic should be applied is off. Yeah. As are his many hats in this episode. <laughs> so two Bravermans and a cliche walk into a fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is he wearing to yeah. that party? Oh my I, God. Ridiculous. I mean, now he has the yeah. scarf too. I, it's too he's, much. he's costumed, right? He, he, he wears a black fedora and then later he's in a black beret. And and it cane just felt and, like the, yeah, yeah just, the wardrobe persons went a little, uh, <laughs> just, just too far in this direction of like, this guy's going to wear all these black hats that he thinks are cool, but it, it felt uh, a hair or two off from a real person. Yeah. <laughs> now, Steven Weber was brought on the show to be a potential love interest for Sarah in season three, provided that there was a season three. The show hadn't been renewed at that point. Here's a spoiler I will just give to our listeners. He never appears again. And I oh. don't know if it's because he became unavailable or if it's because they kind of ditch the playwriting storyline after this season. <laughs> it's not never mentioned again, but it's not revisited in any meaningful ways. That's hilarious. And no offense to Steven Weber, but I'm kind of glad because I don't really want to watch Sarah date another one of her bosses. Oh. I didn't think she had any chemistry with Steven Weber. And it was very stressful. Like he seemed so irritated by the whole thing. And I felt irritated with him. And I was just, uh, I feel like this reveals maybe like a jerky part of me, but I felt I'd never align myself with the, like the deciders at the top. I mean, that's not where I sit, but I felt for him, like, what are you doing coming up to me and saying, this means a lot to me. I've just written one of these. I, I just I just was with him and I was I it was bad. Yeah. Let's take a listen to their chemistry and evaluate. I wanted to just say that I, having worked with Gil, know what an incredible pill he can be, and I'm Gil the pill. And I'm sorry for um, whatever the history is with you guys, but I hope that that you'll be able to read my play unbiased. Uh-huh. You okay? <sighs> Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I've got an army of readers, and they look at all the submissions, and the best ones end up on my desk, and I read those unbiased. Okay, I don't want to be read by the army. I want to be read by you. 
me. Okay, uh, Sarah... What? Braverman. Braverman. Sarah Braverman. Okay, Sarah Braverman. So, uh, where might I have seen your work before? <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, <laughs> Nowhere. You've never had a play produced? Better. I've never written a play before. Uh, you've been on the earth a long time without having ever written a play. No offense. <laughs> well, listen, uh, yes, no, you're, you're right. But, you know, Margaret Edson wrote Wit when she was 35. And she was That's a kindergarten true. teacher, and it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1999. So I think of, you should uh, wit. read my play, please, because I believe in it, and it is really important to me. Well, uh, Sarah Braverman, I'll tell you what, I will read your play. Wow. Okay. Really? Yes, I promise. Thank you very right. much. Get out of my way, please. He just wants her to go away, right? Like, that's why yes. he tells her that. Yeah. Ugh. I would say to Katie, like, this trope uh, in movies and TV shows of, like, if you just got to approach the person of power and just pour your heart out, like, that's how things happen is, is really does a lot of damage, I think, to... to Aspiring actors and I, writers. Yeah, aspiring yeah. people. Thank you for finishing my thought. Yeah, this idea of how it works, because I know, you know, my mom certainly was always like, you got to schmooze, you know, you got to you got to just go, you know, if, if we would happen to be like, you know, this was, I guess, once I graduated from college and, and I was acting in the world. But if we would happen to see like a famous person in a restaurant, uh, my mom would be of the camp of like, you got to go talk to them and like, <laughs> go tell them you're an actor. And it's like, no, they're going to put you in the next that picture. Person at dinner. It's like, this isn't how it works. They're going to hate me. They're, they're going to, I'm going to work against my odds at having a career by doing that. But, but storylines like this really build that idea at large for people that like, that's, you know, it takes chutzpah and it takes balls and, well, yeah. You know, though an, an element of that is true in any career in the arts, it doesn't happen like that. This is, I'm just going to derail on this topic very quickly because I've never had an opportunity to speak <laughs> to a frustration I have with another program on television that does this. And I, I see all the merits of this other show, which I will say in one second, but it perpetuates this as well. This idea that just get up there and do it and you might be a huge success, which is for me, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, ah. which is, I, I understand like how great a show that is in so many ways, but from the perspective of an artist and of someone who sees themselves as a funny woman, you know, and I certainly know people who are like actually pursuing comedy much more seriously. It just takes so much actual like work and revision and quiet audiences and struggle. And so to see these moments of like being plucked with very little effort put in is for a creative person, like just demoralizing. <laughs> well, and I get so frustrated by it because television shows are made by creative people. So yeah. I would think right. everyone who makes them would know this, yeah. you know, like, yes. like when, when my like family members who aren't in the arts at all, don't understand that part of the work it doesn't make me angry because I think, well, why would you know? The hours of being alone and revising and honing your craft and studying and all of that. But there have to be playwrights on the writing staff of this show. Oh, yeah. And maybe it's just hard to dramatize that part of the process, or maybe it just takes too long to think any of the viewers will come with you. Like, because in reality... This would have to be, I mean, Parenthood ran for six seasons. It would not be at all inconceivable for the series finale to be, hey, Sarah finally got her play produced somewhere. Oh, perfect. Right. 
that would be a normal <laughs> development process. Like, oh yeah, it took about three and a half years. Yeah. Yes. And then how satisfying would it be? Yeah. Like, oh, she finally got it. And of course, no one's going to have a story arc last that long. But yeah, yeah, it is just, and like, because I know and love Sarah as a character and because I feel bad that Gil kind of mischaracterized what they were doing at this fundraiser, mm-hmm. I admire her gumption with Jack. But mm. if I was one of the writers who was being read by the army of readers, I'd be fucking pissed that this nobody with no experience <laughs> just walked into a party and flirted her way into having the artistic director read her play. That is yeah. not cool. No. Yeah. And I think the other path is more interesting. It's more I compelling television. Definitely. And the reality of it is most likely her play would not be good until it was heavily revised. Yeah. Because it's a myth to think you can just churn out a first draft of something and it's perfect. Like I'm wrapping up two years of graduate school, getting an MFA and, you know, revision is everything, which of course, you know, writers know that. And and anyone on that show, you're right, Caleb, like they know, they know that. Especially for a play where it's, you need to do the workshops, you need to have actors reading it aloud because so much you're like, oh, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. And I'm assuming that has not happened for Sarah. She just wrote it at her computer and here oh. it is, right? Pretty yeah. much. I mean, the whole point of Gil's presence is that he is helping her revise it. Okay. We don't see a lot of that. that, Yeah. But it is supposedly happening. Mm. But it's happening over the course of three episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so fast. I mean, that's like a wedding toast. One other thing I will grant them (laughs) that at least this big thing they're going for is a reading. Yeah. And not like a production. That's true. I, yes. I guess that is like, oh, someone who had never no, that, played before helps. got in a series called New Voices. But still, I think you're right, Katie. Like, it wouldn't be good. It might be promising. It might have a yeah. lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. But it just couldn't. It couldn't be good or ready at that stage right. of the process. Yeah. I got invited to read in a New Voices series when I'd been writing poetry for about 15 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and you always hear that, like, oh, overnight success stories are actually, you know, a decade or more, you know? And so I think, yeah, it's a little frustrating that hers actually is like overnight success. It's just <laughs> like, that's not actually how any of this works. Yeah, completely. Yeah. You know, I feel like amongst parenthood fans, the whole Sarah writing a play storyline is often singled out as one of the worst storylines. And I always feel this strange urge to defend it. Maybe it's just because it's about theater and writing and creativity in a way. But especially on my second watch of this episode, I think the real problem with it, like I said last time, I think it could have been a really great storyline. So that bothers me because I like, I don't think it's a storyline the idea of it that's bad i think it's just the execution and i think really what it is is it just is like a garden of cliches like nothing about it we've said before a lot of the storylines on parenthood are pretty unoriginal they're things we've seen before but they will either like put a new twist on it like oh we caught drew drinking but the conflict is his father's an alcoholic And Sarah is worried about what that means for him. Well, that's a new twist. There's no new twist on this storyline. It's just glamorizing the lack of expertise, that creativity is nothing but passion, 
and the way Gil is dressed, the way Zeke just bullies Jack into listening to them, the way she just charms her way into the reading series, it it all is like unoriginal. Yeah. And, and I, I think that does speak to the just the sheer amount of content these writers are having to put out with the 22 episode season. They're working so quickly. And I think just as Katie and I were talking about, not every episode can be good or not every plot line can work. Yeah. Or can can be original because it's just no time to do that. It's just, it's so much has to be made in such a short amount of time. That's such a good point. You're right. Like TV now is heralded as I mean, it really is yes. so incredible, but they don't put filler in anymore. They they just have right. yeah, ten episodes or something and they just cut out anything that wouldn't be yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. and especially keeping, if it's keeping the good stuff on yeah. a streaming platform like all released at once yeah it's all produced at once yeah. so yeah you can you can like write yeah all 10 episodes of a season at exactly. once make sure it all fits. the whole thing whereas television like this while they were writing season two episode 21 they were probably editing an episode earlier in the season and shooting for, a different sure. episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing that just shows where that many episodes for so long. Cause it's just it's so much. Yeah. Well, anything else to say about the playwriting story? Well, I just wanted to say when she finds out that her play is happening, she hasn't even been contacted directly. It's Gillian comes and tells her. And I feel like why Jack doesn't even like Gillian anymore. Yeah. Can't he reach out? <laughs> That's Can't he reach out directly to Sarah? It's like, what? That's such a good Gillian's point. Gillian's like, we got it. It's happening. <laughs> what? Maybe they just needed another scene for Richard Dreyfus to be. Uh, yeah. Definitely that's what it was. Yeah. Another was, hat. Another that hat. That also <laughs> felt, you know, like speaking about Adam's few scenes at work, the interweaving of Sarah in Amber's storyline with her own storyline with Gilliam, that felt a little messy too here it was like mm-hmm. oh we just have a lot of threads that we have to get yeah. close yeah. enough to wrap them up in the next episode and so yeah some of them are here and they don't feel like they really should be yeah because yeah. all of her stuff with the play is kind of the first half of the episode mm-hmm. and then except for that scene with gilliam there's nothing about it in the second half well, because oh, she's yeah. real freaked out about Amber, and rightfully so. Yes. Yeah. Amber was stressful. Mm. She was. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to, to think of. Think about as a parent, just watching your kid kind of go off the rails in that way. Like, Overall, what did you all think of the depiction of substance use and just the rebellious teens in this episode? Well, we are terrible people to ask that because I mean, <laughs> I can I can speak for myself, but a, a little bit for Lance too. Like we're, our experience with substances, mine at least is very limited. So I don't know. I would, I guess I would say, would it be even messier? It would be my assumption. That's also just like based on my own like terror about it. <laughs> but it was it was definitely unclear to me at times that she was high because she just seemed sort of like wild, but not. Yeah, I don't know. Lance, you'll go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> right. Of late, we're not uh, substance abusers as much. But, but yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> smoked weed. Yeah. Uh, uh, a bunch in college and so I know what that's like and I, and I really liked Amber's scene when she comes into the restaurant which is like very silly with the thing wrapped around her head a little bit bushkish she gives herself and um, <laughs> but, but is but it yeah, other earlier, substances like, is it just weed I thought it was other things 
There's other things, I think. But I couldn't tell what those things were because Sarah kept yeah. asking, but I wasn't sure. I'm like, it, it, it did live in the very broad, like a very yeah. uh, general drugs. Yeah, just something place. bad, kids. You know, yeah. we don't and, know what and, it and is. I felt when her and Gary are in the office playing mini golf, whatever that, like, it doesn't seem that bad. It's no. Like, yeah, you're just, you know, yeah. you're, you're being 19 and you're messing around in the office. I'm also, I have no experience with substances really. So I'm also not a great person to ask. It it all just felt like an old person's idea of what <laughs> teenagers would do a little bit. Like, I, like I put like, would they be drinking out of a flask in the yeah. car? Yeah. It's like, well, right. a flask is, isn't that what you drink out of when you want to kind of hide that yeah. you're drinking? But I'm like, but it's just the two of you in the car. Wouldn't they you would have like beer bottles, drinking out of the I bottle? Think. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And then like, maybe they weren't allowed to show a joint on network TV, mm. but it seemed like anytime Amber was smoking, it, it looked like a cigarette to me. Like yeah. it looked perfectly formed. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, bad girl smoking a ciggy. I was like, it just feels like <laughs> I think you're right a cliche rebellious teenager. Rules. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know because maybe it's accurate because I'd never smoke. I've never smoked anything ever, so <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if we got more storytelling on the degree of the rebellion, like, is it like, let's pour some vodka in this flask and feel really cool that we're drinking out of a flask. Then you see the sort of youthful babyishness, or it's like, maybe it's like raspberry Smirnoff or something, you know, like, <laughs> like how youthful is this beverage? We don't know what the beverage is. Like, I know that when I went to college, it was like, we all did little shots of raspberry Smirnoff and we felt insane. And it was like <laughs> one shot, you know, and it was like, oh my God. And, and if you saw us just throwing back shots versus if you saw us like holding this like pink bottle and being really stupidly precious about, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is also just where we're dropping in, but they're not quite telling the story of where everyone's at with their substances. Well, and I think you inadvertently pinpointed something that's bothering me, which is with what we know of Amber, I don't think this is her first time doing any of this stuff. I think mm. she's done it all before. I think it's been a while since she's done any of it. It's kind of like a backslide, I think, for her. Oh. Yeah, and that okay. maybe is what's bothering me. I was like, she should look and feel like an old pro at all of this. And it looks and feels like it's maybe her first time doing any of it. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes, I agree. I think what really bothers me, I was trying to articulate it, Mae Whitman is such a good actress, like just crazy, crazy good. I think it's the only reason any of this is working if it's working because, you know, she just like, she makes such interesting choices. Like when they're golfing at the beginning and she's like, I'll have an Earl Grey, you know, like, I'm like, that's a little bit more interesting than just, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I I don't know. And, and I know that's the writing too, because they wrote that line or maybe they didn't because they imp- mm-hmm. you know improvise a lot yeah. yeah but she she does these things that make it feel a little rooted and yet it's still by the end i should have been a lot more devastated than i was that that they got into a car accident but it just didn't really feel very real to me i you know like that that over the top fight that she has with sarah where she like pushes her down i'm like this doesn't even feel like you this is just it just escalated so quickly. And it, again, it feels like it needed to because the finale is next week and we needed her to get into a That's car. That's a good yeah. point. The, the escalating yeah. quickly. If you had asked me 
since I'd seen this series before, how long Amber's regression to this kind of behavior lasts. I would have been like, oh, that's like six or seven episodes. It's like two. Yeah, she just started wow. drinking like last episode or something. Yeah, like, and all the, and, yeah. no, you're right. And last episode was where she announced, I have to do what feels good to me. So it's really, it's just this one episode. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, that wasn't my memory of it, but it does just feel like, wow, zero to 60. Yeah. Right two, away. Two episodes ago, she's just like knitting and, you know, making jokes. <laughs> you always with go her. back to the knitting. I do. I think she did that once. <laughs> Maybe she did it once. But it just seems like she was on this path of, of like making really healthy, good decisions. Then she finds out she didn't get into college anywhere. And then she derailed very quickly. And I'm sure mm. that would be a horrible thing to find out you didn't get in anywhere. But I'm like, whoa, she, this is just bonkers. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, maybe apply to a community college. I, I, and when she and her mom have that, like, Amber says, we'll eat the pasta. We'll figure it out. I was like, this seems so promising. Like, yeah. Amber seemed on board. Yeah, that was a sweet moment. I love yeah. that. That was a very sweet moment, the pasta. I did yeah. have a question that arose out of the restaurant scene, which probably was my favorite scene of Amber's meltdown. I really loved Lauren Graham's transition from laughing along with Amber mm -hmm. to realizing something was not right. Yeah. And I also loved the way that all of these scenes had more weight to them because we have now met Seth. Sarah's reaction to everything always felt real to me because I thought, oh, this is yeah. this is activating a lot of alarms in her about where she's been with this before. I, I appreciated that. But Sarah's interaction with Amber in that scene raised a conundrum to me. We've commended her before for the fact that she gives her kids space to be who they are and to figure themselves out. But I thought, well, what if who your kids are is a destructive, disrespectful asshole? Mm. What do you do then? And like when Sarah says to Amber, you're in trouble. What does that even mean to Amber? Have we ever seen Sarah punish her? I didn't take it like you're in trouble. I took it like you're in danger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like okay. I didn't think she meant I'm going to punish you. You're grounded. I took it as you are going down a dangerous path. You're in trouble. Ah, okay. If that I helps. took it as yeah. you're in trouble I heard it that way with too. me. No, mm -hmm. I didn't. Think and I just so. felt like, oh, Sarah, you are way too late. To start no. enforcing any kind of behavior. I think rules Sarah knows now. that. <laughs> I think that's why I interpreted it the way I did. I guess I... she does literally say later, <laughs> I, now I'm afraid it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I think the question still stands of like, what? what's the line between, well, I guess this is the crux of her scene with Adam, which is the last clip I have. So why don't I play that? Look, Sarah, they're teenagers. This is what they do. They push against us. They rebel, you know? When I think about the crap that Hattie's pulled this year... No offense, Adam, but that stuff is so much more normal. I mean, you know, she's dating a guy. Oh, you know, so... Well, actually, Hattie and Alex are doing a lot more than dating now. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well... She's 16 years old. She's having sex. And there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I want to be able to say something to her about it, and I don't know what to say. Is she happy? Come on, Sarah, please don't ask me that. Yeah, she's happy. She's real satisfied. That's not what I mean. I just mean at least they love each other and she's being honest with you. It's a lot better than the way Amber started. Nice. Thanks for the plate. You know, it was so nice when she was a little kid and I could just 
sit with her and have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and make faces at her and make her laugh. Nice and simple. I know it doesn't help now, but I realize I made a mistake. I don't think so. I let her tell me when she was ready to grow up and I should have fought her more. Look, I've been dealing with this stuff with Hattie. Every time I get into a conflict with her, engage, leads nowhere. It seems like the best thing I can do is just to give her space. No, you don't give them space. Just when they tell you they don't need you anymore is exactly when they need you the most. You have to fight it. You have to show up. It's when they're pushing you away. It's when they're telling you they know better. That's when you have to show up. Now, I'm afraid it's too late. So what is the line between giving them room to be who they are and guiding them towards the most productive futures? Well, I think what she's messing up a little bit is the they, because she's talking about her daughter and I'm not even sure she's necessarily right. And I feel like, you know, your kid to some extent and like how much they need. And I think about this a lot with people who grow up and have issues with addiction because parents feel so at fault or, you know, and I don't know that it always is a parent's fault. You know, I think that that's like the scariest thing in the world to think like, I don't have any control over this. And it feels so easy to say, like, if you just get up in their face when they say, get out of my face, but I feel like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know either. And I think because our kids aren't rebellious teenagers yet, our our thinking will evolve on this. (laughs) But right now, yeah, right right now, I do think in, in general, the philosophy we have evolving is like meet your children where they are and also trying to erase this idea we talked about way earlier about wanting your kids to be exactly like you or having a pre-planned idea of who they're supposed to be and, and letting that affect the way you're responding to them rather than just seeing who they are and um, giving them the space to be who they are. So I don't know how that corresponds to, to Amber's uh, downward spiral, but I, I agree that I don't think it's as simple as just like, Amber's downward spiral is just a cry for help and and Sarah has to like shout at her more or something. Yeah. I think her cry for help was more when Amber asked her mother, what happens if I don't get into college? (laughs) I think that was a pretty clear cry for let's discuss that. And she didn't. Anyway, I'm being a little silly. What were you going to say, Katie? Just thinking about the idea of showing up for someone and just being there and that not solving the problem but it's just what you have to do. You just say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I love you. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be ashamed. You know, she's talking about it like I messed up and now there's no hope. And I don't, I mean, I don't want to believe that, but, but I think it's not like this will solve it. And then you won't have a daughter who's drinking and doing drugs, but it's more just like, that's just your job. You just like show up to your job and you do that. And hopefully you can weather all the storms. That's beautiful. That's well put. Yeah, I think I think ultimately I thought Sarah was wrong. <laughs> and but but I guess it did prompt Adam to be there for Hattie in a way that he hadn't been. So it's weird. Maybe the way he interpreted it worked because at yeah. first he was like, Well, I you know, every time I get in Hattie's face, we just fight and it's not good. But what he needs is not to get in her face and argue with her. He needs to be there. And if that's how he took yeah. that advice, then great. 
But Sarah, I feel like, has done a really good job of being there for Amber. She's just going through something and I don't I don't know how you get through that. That's that's incredibly hard. If you're if your kid is spiraling, I really don't know. I know. That pasta yeah. approach felt perfect to me. Like like let's put a light spin on it, let's laugh about it. Yeah. And and I I thought that was great, you know, like take this really heavy moment and and make it light and and be like we can still be us with each other. It'll be fine. But it wasn't fine. And and I don't know. I guess sometimes it's just not fine and you have to find a and way yet, through it. And yet what I think set Amber off on that like that car ride with Gary was Sarah going through her things. And yet that I totally understand where Sarah's coming from, mm-hmm. especially because she has an ex with like, severe addiction issues. When she says, what's in here now? I have to question everything. I thought, well, if Amber was using like really hard drugs, yeah, you would have to. Yeah. To check and be cautious and, and know. And yeah, it would piss Amber off. So I, I definitely feel for her, even though, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. reducing it to when they say they don't need you smother them <laughs> yeah not yeah that's advice. not it i get why maybe in this moment she's feeling that way yeah yeah, yeah it attracts that sarah defaults to well i must have messed something up because mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's, that's what she, she assumes in every mm. situation <laughs> yeah. yeah i admired the direction of the last scene in the car which is it's hardly something i ever noticed because i think i have so little understanding of how one even would go about directing an episode of TV. But the way that the camera was always attached to the car, there was never any kind of outside perspective, but they still managed to show us very clearly that they were running a red light. And that is why they got hit. It wasn't like, Oh, some crazy driver just broadsided them. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. you can see clearly yellow, red, and they're not stopping. Mm. I thought, but it didn't feel heavy-handed. No, it was like. really well done. Yeah. 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 Although, when you're watching a TV show and in the last three minutes, characters are in a car. Drinking. No, nothing yeah. good. And then they're drinking. Oh, yeah. Really just flask. being in a car, period, is bad. Because that's just <laughs> unusual at the end of a show. Yeah. There was an episode of Dawson's Creek where his dad died. He's in a car eating ice cream. You know, last three minutes, you're like, this is bad. This is bad. And he's singing and he's punctuating the air with his ice cream cone. He's like, (laughs) give me the beat, boy. Free my soul. I want to get lost in rock and roll. And then he dies. He drifts away. I'm sorry. He drifts away. And I I will never eat ice cream while driving. (laughs) That show imprinted that. It's a good lesson. You might drop the ice cream. You go for it. He went. Why would you do that? It's gone. Yeah. He like goes down to scoop his ice cream back up. You're going to eat it. It's been on the floor. (laughs) You're just going to die, Dawson's dad. Um, yeah yeah and he did and he did spoiler sorry sorry anybody who's moving through dawson's creek uh, 20 years later yeah no you're totally right and you know what i thought it was super interesting that in the opening scene where christina and adam like are overhearing they run a red light but they're fine because you know like they're not drinking or anything but like that's yeah yeah, you're right the scene the episode's oh that's a nice these two car scenes yeah Yeah, it's a great observation in a weird way, it's like, it's not just drinking and driving, you know, like it's distracted driving, like, you know, the way that Adam and Christina are. I, I sort of like that this could happen to anyone. It almost felt to me like it was this this moment of of maybe not intense judgment on Amber, but just like 
the, just, I don't know how random it all is sometimes. Um, yeah. you know, obviously it's not good to drink and drive, but it's also not good to be so distracted by a phone call that you run a light, you know, I, it was, yeah. I did wonder after they get hit and then the, the episode is done and it cut to black. I thought, are we gonna get this usual chipper music that we get over the end credits? I was glad that no, we got this more somber music for the first time ever. Well, I feel like the episode title of Slipping Away is certainly applied to uh, to Amber, most obviously, I think. But after our discussion, it really also clearly applies to what Adam is feeling about Hattie. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And Crosby's. With Jasmine, yeah. 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 Jasmine's yeah. slipping away. They title those episodes yeah. well. Sarah's play is uh, <laughs> right on track, though. It's slipping. <laughs> she's failing It's probably upward. titled Slipping Away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no, doesn't Gil have a title for her? No, oh, yeah, I think he does. A story, story for, for another, another day. day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, that's, Gil. That's pretty good. I love how she's Gil just like, sure, I love it. <laughs> she, yeah, at that moment, like, she's a little uh, preoccupied. Yeah. So. Well, this was so nice. Yeah. I'm so glad we could Thank join you. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, did you like the episode and everything? Did you? Did you... Love the experience of watching it. Yeah, yeah. we had a really good time. Good. Like, I, took, I took pages of notes. Oh, um, thank you. It was really thank fun. You. Yeah. yeah. Yay. It was lovely having you on. This was oh, wonderful. Yeah. Such a pleasure. Do you have anything that you would like to plug or anything like that? Yes, just well, for me, just my books. Please go check out Crying Laughing and specifically the audiobook that Katie narrates so wonderfully. Yeah. Katie, how about you? Well, I don't have anything yet, but perhaps soon. But I just narrated a book by a good friend of mine called Competitive Grieving. It's by Nora Zelovansky. And it was like a really moving, funny read. And it's coming out very soon. It's like a really good summer read, but with some like depth to it, real depth. And I've only gotten like really, really choked up reading two books before Lance's book, Crying Laughing, and this book, Competitive Grieving, where I just like lost it in the <laughs> in the booth, which I took as a good sign. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, um, we'll plug ourselves. <laughs> Please um, <laughs> follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And as always, you can find us at parenthoodpals.com. Thank you, Lance and Katie. Yay. It was wonderful. Thank you, Kayla and Melissa. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Truly this was so fun. Our pleasure. <laughs> Thank yes. you to our listeners. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.